Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers 4DC. I'm joined on today's podcast by Lynn Applebaum, who is a professor at City College of New York and directs the Advertising and Public Relations Programme. She's also the principal investigator for a new study that looks at diversity uh, and the experiences of underrepresented groups in the PR profession. Lynn, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, um, so tell us a little bit about the study that you've conducted. It, it seems like it's, um, it's well-timed. There's a lot of interest into the public relations uh, yeah. business um, and how it's kind of approaching diversity. Absolutely. Um, really, uh, the seed for the study, more than the seed, began about 10 years ago when I um, approached Dr. Rochelle Ford, who was then at Howard University, now at Syracuse, to do an early incarnation of the study of multicultural PR practitioners. Because um, at City College, I teach um, most of my students are multicultural PR practitioners. I see some of the challenges they have. And I was inspired to really look beyond their own experiences and to better understand the experience of multicultural practitioners in the workplace. So we did this initial study 10 years ago. And then fast forward 10 years, and um, the the PRSA Foundation, uh, which really is focused on um, the the understanding and the the promotion of diversity within the PR profession, the support of PR and the diversity in the PR profession, put out a request for request for proposal um, for for other academics to update the study to help our understanding of the role of diversity and the state of diversity in public relations. And my colleague, Dr. Frank Walton, um, and I submitted a proposal um, to really update the work that Rochelle and I had started 10 years ago. But the goal was to really focus on a very specific demographic, and that was specifically for African-American and Black and Hispanic practitioners who had graduated since 2008 and were working in the field. Mm. And the goal was not only to understand what their experience was, but to also get a parallel read of employers who hire multicultural practitioners and to really look at how the perceptions might either sync or differ between those two demographic studies. So, I mean, broadly speaking, one of the issues that the PR industry seems to struggle with, uh, especially on the agency side, is racial diversity. I mean, there's a couple of findings um, that you have flagged up. Yes. So this study itself is not an outright um, demographic study or look at the percentages in the business. It's a study about perceptions about how the industry is doing. Mm. And... You know, I think a lot of the focus in the last few years has been on how do we get to a pipeline of diverse practitioners. And so there's been a lot of recruitment efforts um, for some agencies, not everybody, but there were a number of agencies that have really appreciated the value of this and has understood the value and have really ramped up their efforts to connect with organizations and schools 
like um, historically black colleges and universities or other programs, or for example, through the PRSA Foundation, we connected with uh, United Negro College Fund to try to build in a diversity pipeline because one of the perennial um, you know, complaints you hear from the industry is we can't find diverse practitioners. And I think a lot of us who are educating diverse diverse students would say that really shouldn't be a problem because we're seeing a lot of talent on our side. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the focus has been on recruitment. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, th there's been some movement. I mean, I, I think in, in our study we found neither the young pro respondents nor the employees felt that we were doing a stellar job on recruitment, but there was a feeling that the industry had taken steps. At least it's on our radar. At least we're, we're trying to think about other ways to build the pipeline of diversity into the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, that's reflected on the experience of these young professionals who are feeling like, you know, I'm pretty optimistic about, you know, the opportunities in the industry. Mm -hmm. I'll note that in our study, virtually the uh, young pros and employers had exactly the same perceptions about how the industry is doing in recruitment. So ballpark, and it's not that high a percentage, but about 17 to 19 percent of young pros and employers said we're being successful or very successful. The bulk of them at around 40 percent said that we're somewhat successful. And, you know, I would say a solid third, you know, high 30s to 40 percent said we're not successful. Mm -hmm. So there's really only a small percentage that acknowledges that we're really successful in recruiting. But you know, the, the, the more uh, qualitative findings say, yeah, we feel like the industry is making some sort of effort in this area. Mm. Okay, well, that's encouraging. Why do you think um, the, the numbers are still low, though? I mean, looking beyond just, just the day-to-day the, the -day experiences. You know, I, I think this kind of change is very slow in coming. Mm. Um, I think people automatically don't necessarily know where to go to find diverse professionals. I think that the challenge, I would say, especially in an agency workplace, maybe secondarily in a corporate workplace, but more in an agency workplace, is a sink or swim mentality. Mm -hmm. And the demands are high, the pressures are high, it's a highly competitive environment. Um, so I think the goal is is still the focus on just, you know, find, use the pipelines, use the direct pipelines we've always had to get the best people we can. Because it takes a lot of effort to look for new challenges to find talent in areas where we might not have ordinarily searched. Mm. So it, it, that's a whole other level to ramp up the programs in order to find diverse talent. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you looked, obviously, you looked in some depth at the day-to-day -day workplace experiences um, of, of African-American and, and Hispanic professionals in the PR industry. What would you say are the biggest challenges um, they are facing? Well, I, I, there, there is a perception that multicultural practitioners, and in particular, African-American practitioners, are not treated equally to their Caucasian counterparts. Mm -hmm. um, 
And again, the percentages are pretty high. And this was, a, this was one of the areas where we looked at findings 10 years ago, and we, we asked the same questions today. So there were feelings, questions to the effect of, um, are you treated with genuine respect by your colleagues? 43% said they're not. 45% felt that they needed to be more qualified than a Caucasian for the same job. Mm. A full third felt that they were spending more time in entry-level posts. Um, more than half felt that they were not afforded the same opportunities as their Caucasian counterparts. Mm. And I would say a solid 80% felt that they were put on a slow-moving track because of their race. Wow. And again, these are perceptions, but they are pervasive, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can't just say, well, you may think this, but it doesn't mean it's true. Mm. Um, the other thing that we found, and this really came through in the focus groups, are the feeling that in the day-to-day -day workplace, multicultural pros are exposed to various biases, mm -hmm. whether intentional or unintentional, that really undermine their ability to succeed in the workplace and to feel like they're a welcome part of the workplace. Mm -hmm. And this manifests itself in a couple of ways. So we have a number of quotes, direct quotes from our focus group that populate our study that really give readers an inside look at what a young multicultural prose experiences in the workplace to the effect of people would leave boxes for them to pack or to clear away, even though it would be everybody's job, but somehow it was relegated to the African-American, you know, young pro. Mm. Or um, people would, uh, on the other so flip side of it, uh, one young man um, in an agency environment talked about how, you know, people would try to make him feel welcome by, you know, you know, trying to be his bro. And he's going like, I just want to be treated like everybody else. You know, please don't try to do bro speak with yeah. me in the workplace. Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, so, it's not, it's not funny really, but it's, it's not yeah. funny. Mm. And these are very challenging issues, and they're very deep issues. It's not about the PR workplace, mm -hmm. but I think it's what we're seeing in society. I mean, you look at what's happening at the University of Missouri. Mm. Yes, yeah. These are the kinds of challenging issues that we're all grappling with on a very human level mm. of how do we be comfortable and supported and how do we trust people who are not the same as us in the workplace and show them and accord them all due respect to give them a chance to succeed. There is no easy answer, but this is the world that I think this study starts to peel back some layers on to help us see what we're really, you know, what are some of the real challenges we're facing. Mm -hmm. And do you think those perceptions and those concerns are shared by senior management at um, some, you know, at, at, at agencies? Are they aware um, well, that these challenges are there? Here's what's interesting, and that's such a good question, because 
when the PRSA Foundation funded its studies in 2014, they founded three studies. They funded three studies. One was ours that looked at young practitioners. Mm -hmm. One was a study that looked at practitioners who were five to 10 years out in their workplace experience. And then they recently funded another study out of Syracuse University that surveyed senior leadership of the Arthur Page Society. Mm. And uh, what I can tell you is that senior membership is going like, no, we're, we're treating everybody as equal. And no, we don't, we don't have any really you know, policies that we're aware of of discrimination in the workplace. Right. So um, those studies are going to be forthcoming through Syracuse in the next few months. Right. But it was astounding to me that as high as the percentages were, for the people, the multicultural pros in the workplace who are experiencing some sort of, um, you know, microaggression, some sort of racism in the workplace, the senior pros seem to be somewhat um, out of touch mm -hmm. with these experiences, and that is a big disconnect. Right, and how do you, how do you think that has to be addressed? Well, here's here's where we start. Um, we start with the findings of the study that say, we're, we're, when we say, we asked the young professionals and said, what was the most important factor? What do you believe is the most important factor to help you be successful as a professional? And I feel that these findings provide the foundation for us to move forward. And it addresses the issues of retention. It addresses, addresses the issues of inclusivity in the workplace. It addresses the issues of how we treat each other in the workplace. And that is that these young pros felt that the most significant factors in their success lay in three different areas. All of them had to do with their daily workplace experience. On the most basic level, they 20% said having a peer to go to in the workplace who I feel comfortable with is most important to me. If it was a peer of the same ethnicity, even better. Mm -hmm. Second level is having a direct supervisor, feeling that they could go to their supervisor if they had questions, concerns, and feeling that there could be communication up, not just communication down. Right. And if that supervisor was of the same race, it really didn't matter. 20% said any supervisor, regardless of race, who I could go to. 20% said having a supervisor of the same race would be helpful. Mm. And on the third tier, they said having a senior professional role model, an executive who they could go to, also was impactful. And again, having somebody of the same race, great, but if not, still beneficial. Mm. So I don't have conclusive evidence that this is the only way to go, but based on the feedback, it seems that the workplace environment, removed from what HR people do, um, but the daily workplace experience is where you're going to build this kind of environment of, of, of trust, respect, and success. Mm. You've talked a little bit already about recruitment, but what about retention rates? Um, well, how, what are those like? Right. Um, interestingly enough, the retention rates were similar in terms of the numbers of how people perceive it. So 
but this is this is what really flagged us. So we asked both young pros and employers, how successful do you think the PR industry is in retaining a more diverse workforce? Mm-hmm. Young pros are saying, well, 17% are saying we're successful or very successful. But here's where it gets interesting, because 25% of the employers are saying we're successful or very right. successful. And that's where the gap comes. Um, in the world of successful, they're both kind of in the same zone, 50%, yeah, kind of. But when we say not successful, a full third of the young pros blatantly say we are not successful in retention compared to only one-fifth, 20% of the employers who are saying we're not successful. And this is where we see the big disconnect. Mm, interesting. Um, so a big disconnect in terms of, of perceptions when it comes to retention um, going back a little bit to to culture, I mean, when when we talk about diversity, I think sometimes it's it's often framed in terms of recruitment and retention. Um, but are people from uh, diverse backgrounds are they being made to feel welcome and valued and part of the culture within um, PR agencies or, or corporate PR departments? Right. So I, I, I would put that in the good news of what our study found. Mm. Um, and in fact, I would say increasingly what, what we found, and I'll talk about one of the other studies soon, in a moment, but in fact, um, I would say about two-thirds felt very satisfied about their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, 91% felt you know, that they wanted to be working in PR in five years. Two-thirds said that they could pursue PR without making race an issue. Mm. 70%, 70% said that they are as likely to be given mainstream projects mm-hmm. as being relegated to only accounts where they're talking to um, ethnic audiences that, that share their ethnicity, right? So we call that being pigeonholed. Yeah. Um, But some pros are kind of feeling like, yeah, I'm included in the workplace. 63% feel that their ethnic background is valued in the workplace. Mm. And this is in workplace where there is a low percentage of of minorities. So they're primarily in a white workplace. So there are many indications that, that young pros feel pretty good about the workplace culture. Mm -hmm. But again, there is a whole other level of caveats that have to deal with race and that perception that sort of colors those initial very positive responses. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious because, um, you know, you can be valued from a work perspective, but th- there may also be a, perce- a perception sometimes that not necessarily speaking the same languages, not, not having the same cultural interests, being some, somewhat different to the kind of mainstream of, right. of, of an agency. How big of an issue are those types of things? Right. So, you know, the, 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 the jargon for this is code switching, mm. right? right? So, yeah. um, you know, and, and I would say that 80% of the, of the respondents said they had to code switch in, in one way or another, right? Right. Um, look, everybody code switches in the workplace. And, you know, my response to this, um, because there were a lot of senior practitioners who were, they're, they're skeptical, um, they, they, they look to discount these kinds of findings, and people would say, well, everybody code switches. Everybody has challenges in the workplace. And I would say that is true for all people. We're, and I'll, I'll share an anecdote with you in a moment, but uh, 
we all code switch. We all are expected to behave a certain way. But I will say that it is especially challenging for people when they have to do it with the added um, burden of racial code switching mm -hmm. and being in a place where you are a minority, being in a place where you may come from a different background, it is there, it's everybody's responsibility to agree to a degree mm -hmm. to assimilate into the workplace, right? You have to kind of understand the culture. We all have to do it, but it's especially challenging for multicultural practitioners. And that's what people need to understand and appreciate. Right. I mean, it, it seems like, again, this is just a, a perception. I'm interested to hear your view on this. But it sometimes seems like that's where PR firms struggle, um, just in terms of, of, of understanding that um, they have a homogenous culture. Uh, and that's not especially welcoming. And I think that's true. And this goes back to that sink or swim mentality. I mm. think cultures, PR uh, agencies... Um, and again, our survey looked at agencies, corporations, government, um, mm -hmm. you know, government uh, bodies, um, uh, NGOs. But I think agency cultures are—they're—they're they're quite entrenched, mm. um, and it's hard to—it's hard to facilitate that change because the demands are so much in the agency world, right? To be, you know, you know, producing for the clients, and you know, there, there's a lot of pressure in the agency. Mm. But the only way the change is going to happen, if we keep doing it the same way, nothing's going to happen. And I, I like to make the analogy to global, to climate change. I won't even call it global warming. Let's call it climate change. Mm -hmm. So there are those of us who say, look, you know, climate change is just kind of built into the way we do things. And what are you going to do? And this is the way it is. And, you know, we're just going to keep doing it the way we're going to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And then there were those of us who were saying, we need to be doing things differently because we're going to be extinct if we don't make some changes. Right. And if we live in the world of the former, I would say that the PR industry is going to be facing some truly formidable challenges. Yeah. Um, unless we really commit to doing things differently. I'm an incremental builder. I'm a one-on-one one -one kind of change kind of person mm. where you you invest in your talent that you have. If we have qualified people in our pipeline, it makes so much more sense to look for ways to support these people, welcome them, and train them and help them assimilate into the culture. Look at what the challenges are so that we can keep the talent that we already have and help them be successful in the pipeline, as opposed to saying, here's the way we do it, sink or swim, if you can't handle it, so long. Mm. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing increasingly as people move up through the pro profession. They hit a ceiling, they hit a wall, they can't succeed to the next level, and so they move out of the industry. Right. Um, you know, the PR Council um, has recently conducted a study and done an, a number of interviews with, with multicultural pros who have left the industry. And I am anxiously awaiting to hear what those findings are because I think they pick up where we left off. Yeah, that's really interesting. How important is the presence of senior um, visible leaders from uh, minority communities? The answer is it's important. And there is 
a, a real dearth of, of multicultural leadership as anybody in our industry knows. Mm-hmm. And we can't pretend we're doing something that is so visibly absent. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's like, how do you get to be a senior leader? You mentor, you nurture the people coming up through the ranks, and you identify who the talent is, and then you invest in them to be part of your leadership team. And if nobody is paying attention to that, it's not going to happen by accident. Mm. One of the findings which I thought was very interesting is, is about how microaggression, as you've described it, is a prevalent issue um, for multicultural practitioners, especially African Americans. Can you talk through that a little, a little bit for us? Right. So, you know, microaggression uh, um, is, is, a, is a term. You hear it more in, in academics than you do in the workplace. But it's really how we experience uh, inadvertent or unintentional slights in the workplace, whether it's communicated through, you know, negative comments or derogatory comments or hostile comments or just even being overlooked and ignored in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, We did not ask individuals how often in their workplace they experience slights. But where this came through deeply was in the focus groups. And this is where, um, you know, individuals felt that they were being, you know, isolated in the workplace. Um, One focus group participant, and this is a direct quote, said, you know, you can feel the isolation being with the minorities in the room. I've also experienced the opposite end where you have colleagues who are trying to be too hip or trying to be your your brother. And it's frustrating to me because I don't want to be perceived only as an African-American man among my workplace colleagues. Sure. Um, yeah. that's, an, that's an example of an inadvertent microaggression. Nobody did anything to insult him, mm-hmm. but this gentleman felt treated like an other because people were not comfortable around him or they didn't know how to just kind of speak to him as a colleague as opposed to identifying him as you're the African-American guy on our team. So Mm -hmm. that's an example of an inadvertent bias. Um, A very, um, this also might be inadvertent, but it's it's also blatantly racial. So uh, one other focus group participant said, uh, we were hiring and looking for specifically African-American and Hispanic models. And one of our producers said, we're going to have to beef up security. I thought, what? So this is the kind of mm. stuff that people are exposed to that, again, it's like we have a number of examples throughout our study. Um, mm-hmm. And these are the challenges that this is the kind of sensitivity, that the place that we really need to be be paying closer attention to is is mm-hmm. how do we really behave? What's the workplace environment that we're really cultivating? And we can't do it at the expense of saying, but I have clients to take care of. I have, you know, I have um, social media to post. I have campaigns to run. Mm. It's somehow if we don't start paying attention to what's happening in our workplace environment one-on-one, in the long run, we're, we're going to be failing um, mm. area that sure. we're to fail in. And, and one of the last things I wanted to ask you actually kind of relates to, to one of the remarks you just made about how someone didn't, didn't necessarily want to be seen um, just through the, through the prism of race. But equally, this idea that, that 
everyone should be colorblind. I mean, that's that's also um, I, counterproductive. I, yeah, we don't feel everybody should be colorblind. I don't think I don't think it's a matter of being colorblind, but I think it's a matter of valuing and appreciating the diversity in the workplace. Mm. And and how do you acknowledge that we're different and also acknowledge that other people have a different perspective and that there's room to to hear perspectives and that those perspectives do not only have value when they apply to, to audiences or campaigns um, regarding those particular ethnicities. That how are we really with each other in the workplace? You know, I'll tell you a really quick um, anecdote from my own experiences. When I went to, I worked at NBC. Very, very demanding, intense environment. You, 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 you had to figure out the corporate culture. You had to adapt, and you had to crack the code, or you would not be successful there. And it was certainly challenging for me when I first got there. And I recently had an African American um, student, an alum, go to work for NBC in the um, ad sales area and she came back to me and talked about feeling isolated and not part of the group and feeling very self-conscious and separated and I explained to her I said you know I felt the same way and I said but it's up to you to figure out what you're going to do to assimilate in with your team to to have lunch with them go out for coffee with them and to make yourself a part of the team so that they can help also be comfortable with you because it may not be race. It may just be that environment. And you have to do your part as well to mm. assimilate in with that environment. And like a month later, she pulled it off. Mm. So in fact, it had less to do with race than it did with here's the culture. But she was experiencing her isolation through the lens of race. And once we said, put it aside, get the job done, show them your value, she was on track to be successful. And I think that's the other part of the equation that we can't forget, is that it takes two sides to be successful. Mm, great point. Um, so finally, I mean, your, your, your bottom line, I guess, view on all of this, are, are you, would you say you're encouraged or discouraged? Um, and what else do you think the, the industry needs to be focusing on? Okay, here's what I came away as, as the good news. I don't think that we would be talking as much about retention mm. at this point if we had not made some headway in recruitment. Mm -hmm. We would not be having this discussion. We would still just be wringing our hands saying, where are we getting the pipeline? Where is where's diversity coming from? So I think we've made incremental gains in the pipeline. And that's the good news. The bad news is we've not taken the talent who has moved up through the pipeline and taken care of them and paid attention to them and thought deeply about this in a way that's going to have long-term meaning and value. And that's where I think the conversation needs to shift. It doesn't mean that we can say, great, we're done with recruitment, done. We have to keep building in that area, but the focus needs to shift in how do we retain, how do we nurture, how do we mentor, how do we help young pros move up through the ranks in the workplace. Mm. Well. You know, I'm very hopeful that happens, and I think this kind of research can only help. It's a really important issue, and Lynn, we hope to um, talk to you again about this in the not-too-distant future. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot.
Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. 